Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here on the podcast, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes, whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who is just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, their state, the country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guest's favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. Taking you out to New Mexico today, and we're doing something a little bit different here on the show. Typically, we talk about folks and their specific cause, but like this show, we're actually talking to someone who talks to lots of different people about good causes and combining the entrepreneurial spirit, the business spirit with that sense of purpose, that sense of drive to do better and do well in this world. We're chatting with Paul Zelizer. He is the founder and chief entrepreneurial activist at Awarepreneurs. You can learn more about them on their website, awarepreneurs.com. And of course, we will have a link to their website and their podcast specifically. Paul, thank you so much for joining us here this morning on CausePods. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Matthew. I'm really glad to be here. Oh, we're glad to have you. So take us back a little bit. What was the impetus for the formation of Awarepreneurs in the first place? And in your words, what's really the goal of what you're trying to do there? Well, I did 15 years of community work, mostly in northern New Mexico, which is where I met the wonderful people at Tiwa Women United. And after about 15 years, I burned out. I got tired of, it felt like we were doing great work. We were doing restorative justice for young people and engaging young men as fathers and really trying to help men be more productive, less violent in communities and in families. It was fabulous work. But after 15 years and having a kid, I get tired of being a broke social worker and always feeling like I was on the outside, like we were doing really important work, but I always felt like the resources were over there where business and entrepreneurship was and the community work and trying to make communities a better place for average people. That was like, we were always scrambling to try to find the crumbs. And after about 15 years of that, I was like, there's got to be a way where we could continue to do positive impact work, but we weren't fighting for crumbs. And I didn't have the vocabulary for social entrepreneurship then, but I started to learn about it 15 years ago or so, and 13 years ago started working in this space, and that eventually led to Awarepreneurs, which started about four years ago. So what is that bridge, right? What is that piece that connects folks doing good with folks who do not want to you know, live below the poverty line? Well, that's a really exciting question, Matthew. <laughs> Social entrepreneurship is one of the fastest growing majors in college campuses all around the world because young people are really excited about they're looking around the world and saying, boy, our world is you know a little bit of a mess right now and we need to make some changes, always doing it through the only way to do it either through nonprofit or governmental lenses. Well, that's getting shaken up and I'm glad that's getting shaken up and I'm part of the community that are looking at it. So social entrepreneurship is we're looking to 
impact is the single biggest thing of what I do and what other social entrepreneurs do. But the way we fund it is we're not looking for large donors or government grants. Myself, I funded, I do one-on-one and small group coaching and one business marketing and business coaching for these kind of businesses with my name, paulzelizer.com. And then Awarepreneur started four years ago to create a community. We have a podcast. It's well known in the space called Awarepreneurs. And then we have a membership community of over 300 social entrepreneurs all around the world who are doing really interesting things. And we're looking at it from the entrepreneurial and the positive impact side. So a recent question is, somebody was looking at doing one-on-one work and how to get consulting in this space going? Or how do you build a website that's effective for this kind of business. Or we have members who specialize in doing Facebook ads for cause-based businesses. We have fabulous, three of the best diversity, equity, and inclusion trainers in the U.S. are in this community, and we share resources, and we're collective action called inclusion and conscious business, where a bunch of different brands are like saying, hey, a lot of us need to up our game in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, and we've gone to them, and we're marketing it together to say, let's get better at diversity, equity, inclusion in this space. So we do things like that where we're not looking for other people to fund it, but we go to people and say, hey, well, what are we looking for in this, for example, training that businesses like ours need to learn? And we worked with the folks, uh, two diversity, equity, inclusion trainers, Nicole Lee and Erica Hines, and we put it together. And now our members and members of other organizations that are excited about this are signing up. So that's the difference between a traditional nonprofit way of looking at it and a social entrepreneur way of looking at it. Can you give us a, a, another good example of a type of social activist entrepreneur, right? Like they are making an impact with a good business? Sure. One of our members is Roberto Milk. And Roberto has a fabulous social enterprise called Novica, N-O-V-I-C-A. I believe it's .com, might be .net. I'll have to look that up. Roberto built this for his grandmother. It's a really sweet story. She was and is a traditional weaver in Peru. And in, if you're a traditional artisan and you're really good at your craft, you can be fabulous, in her case, a weaver. But because there's so many different places that her weavings went to, first it went to a city in Peru, and then it got, you know, there's so many people that take a cut out of it, usually about six people on average, that the artisan themselves might only get 6% of the final cost. You live in New Jersey or I live in Albuquerque, a market that would sell her weavings. And the weaving sold for hundreds and hundreds or even thousands of dollars, but she only got 6%. And it was poverty wages. Roberto and his colleagues decided they were going to do something about it. And they built an online platform called Novica. And what they do is they work directly with the artists. They take those middle people out of the equation. And so artists, they've worked with over 75,000 artists, traditional artisans who are usually practicing things that are culturally, it's cultural preservation through social enterprise. Artists now get between 50 and 60%, and they live really good life in the communities that their art has come from, and they're able to continue the tradition that these cultures have been working on for hundreds or oftentimes thousands of years, and they can afford to live well doing what they do and continue the culture. So that's a great example. I love what Novika is up to. That is a fantastic example. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And 
We'll try and remember to put a link to that platform here in the show notes as well so folks can check it out. You said you started doing this and then you mentioned that you launched a podcast. So why did you want to include a podcast as part of this mission, part of your goals here with Awarepreneurs? I like to joke, Matthew, my name is Paul and I'm podcast obsessed, right? <laughs> podcast- Hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you you can't relate, I'm sure. You don't, not you don't like podcasting. No, 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 no it's not, only not, in your name, right? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> podcasting is just such a fabulous medium and the people who do it are awesome. So if anybody hasn't researched podcasts, there's a few data points. And when I started to hear it, I got really excited. So what we know about podcast listeners are podcast listeners in general are more intelligent than average. They're more open to new ideas. They're early adapters might be how we would talk about it. They make more money and they're more open to innovation in general are really looking for ways to make the world a better place. And I said, why wouldn't I want to be talking to in conversation with folks like that, right? Also in podcasting, the average podcast episode is 43 minutes long. So you have time to like deep dive into things that in like a four minute YouTube video, you just can't get into or like a meme on Instagram, which has to be 13 words or less, right? Podcasting gives you time and space to dig down into significant stories. And for me, what I also think about podcasting is it's about amplifying the stories like Roberto's, like Marion Sidibe, who did a viral TED Talk in uh, 2014 on the incredible public health benefits of washing hands. She did research and found that over 600,000 children a year could be saved by making it more feasible in developing economies for children to wash hands. Miriam partnered with the United Nations for Global Hand Washing Day, and they've now had their messages seen by more than a billion people. Miriam is doing incredible work. I, it's not about Paul Zelizer being like the guy who has the answers. My job, as I see it, and what is to have a podcast, and we now publish twice a week, so we can tell a lot of stories, Matthew. Find people like Roberto and Miriam and all the great people who've been on the Awarepreneurs podcast and give them a deep dive. We do 50 to 55-minute episodes where people can really go into what they're doing, why they're doing it, what they've learned, and we can share that for free with anybody in the internet connection can listen to and learn from some of the best social entrepreneurs in the world. Have you found that there's been a good response for not only people who want to come on your show, which obviously creates a nice networking opportunity and a way to grow your community, but also are you finding that the guests are seeing an uptick in traffic to their There's a way to do podcast guesting wise, and there's a way to do it kind of random and not get a good return on your investment. Matter of fact, that's something we actually teach in the Awarepreneurs community. If you're choosing a podcast that has a good fit for what you're all about, your values and your purpose and your mission as a company or as a nonprofit, the language that we use is from Pam Slim. Pam does a fabulous social enterprise in Mesa, Arizona called the Main Street Learning Lab. And she talks about going to where the watering holes are, right? In other words, 
every species, including humans, gathers. If you go where the water is, <laughs> metaphorically, there's a community gathered around. And if somebody has social enterprise where they're looking for people that are really looking how to push the edge and having positive impact, we've been doing it for three and a half years. We just published 146th episode, I think, and we now publish twice a week. People know who we are. So yes, if you're a positive impact-oriented entrepreneur or social enterprise leader, and you're trying to connect with that group of folks that are really looking to for innovation and great ideas our membership is really excited and they'll reach out hire people on our podcast they get them connected to investors and grantors and clients etc so what about launching this podcast did you have sort of media training going into this or was this all brand new to you it was Fairly new to me. Now, I started my business as a consultant 13 years ago, and I did long-form blogging as my first content marketing strategy, which I learned a ton, like come up with great subjects, bullet points in terms of... So a lot of that transferred. I got tired of writing 2,000-word blog posts. That's, you know, 5,000-word blog posts. They took a lot of time and energy. So then I went to a live video, mostly Facebook Live, did that for three years, and then landed on podcasting. So those like 10 years of doing content marketing really helped me kind of build my chops. I had a lot to learn about podcasting. It's a different medium. So what were the biggest hurdles when you were getting started? And, and even maybe even today, what's still some of the biggest hurdles you face? The, the biggest hurdles was a lot of the technology I didn't know. I know what microphone to use and what platform, you know, I wound up landing on Libsyn. Where do I want to host my podcast? And even simple things like getting it on iTunes. I'm a PC guy and an Android guy and Apple doesn't make it easy if you don't have an Apple computer to get on iTunes. They make it really, really, really hard. So there were just simple technology things like that that I had to figure out and get some help with. And then how to be a great interviewer. Like it's different to you know write blog posts than it is to have an exchange like this one what kind of questions how much preparation how do i make room for deep dive without a guest going on and on and on and boring our audience some of the unique things about a podcast so if you had to do it all over again is there anything you would do differently or is there advice that you would give to somebody else who's thinking about getting into the podcasting space you know in the cause based world that you would maybe advise? One of the things that it took me a while to realize is, you know, one of the big questions that I get asked is, how do I get more downloads? How do I, how do I have more impact with my podcast? And one of the things that I wish I had done earlier is do more of this, Matthew, going out to other podcasts and being a guest in a line podcast and not just trying to get people to find my podcast, but like Pam Slim, go to the watering holes. You know, what you're doing here with this podcast is awesome. And I wish I had said hi earlier and, you know, not four years into it. So it took me, you know, I'm a slow learner sometimes, you know, like three and a half or four years. I'm like, oh, okay, we've got traction, but some people don't even know we exist. And I'm a, I'm a networker and an amplifier. And I haven't been, I didn't do as good a job early on kind of being a good citizen in the space and saying hi to other leaders who've built fabulous podcasts like yours. Well, we appreciate that. And we are glad that we got to talk to you now. There's always plenty of time for uh, other people to check you out and to you know, become part of what you are trying to accomplish. So 
the other thing you you mentioned this earlier and, and folks obviously they don't realize all the time what the relationships is but you mentioned the tiwa women united now this is the charity that paul has asked us to highlight as part of his appearance here on cause pods tell us a little bit about tiwa women united that's tiwa t-e-w-a women united.org we will have a link of course in the show notes and we'll even put a donate link for them directly in the show notes as well but tell us about them you mentioned they sort of were part of the early part of your journey. So what do they do, how you became a part of it, and, and why we should all consider giving them some support? Thank you, Matthew, for asking that question. For 15 years, I did community work in northern New Mexico, and I was kind of like the white guy with a degree. I was licensed and could interface with courts and schools, and you know, my original training is in community mental health. So I had a license and a degree, and that was needed for, you know, to interface with kids were getting in trouble or families were struggling. You run into courts and schools and stuff. So early on, maybe, yeah, gosh, we're talking like 1995, I met the founders of Tiba Women United, Corrine Sanchez and Kathy Sanchez. And what they do is work with the women, the reservations here in New Mexico, many of them are called Pueblos, right? And one of the languages spoken in the northern pueblos, there's two language, two main languages, Tiwa and Tewa. Tiwa languages, they work with the particularly women and families, and they do all kinds of great things. They have a midwife program. You know, healthcare on the reservations are, is not what it could be. We have a very high childhood death rate. They using native foods. They grow native foods and teach about native foods as a way for diabetes, you know, reduction programs. They do a lot of ending domestic violence work. They do a lot of work around cultural preservation. And they just helped me as a white kid, a white Jewish kid from the suburbs of New York who moved to New Mexico in 1993. They were just incredibly helpful and like getting oriented to this place and actually having positive impact instead of talking about positive impact, but not having it, which is really easy for white people to do when we show up in communities and try to be helpful. But many of the folks in those communities don't look like me. They helped me unpack some of those things and really learn how to be a much more effective force for good here in New Mexico. And I will always be deeply grateful for them and think very, very highly of their work. Excellent. Well, like we said, we will put a link to the TiwaWomenUnited.org, their website here in the show notes, and we'll put a direct link so that you can donate if you want to help out a, a great cause and something that is important to our guests today. Paul, before we let you go, again, just any other advice or any tips that you would give to someone who is thinking about launching a podcast or even just in your space, right? Trying to get into the cause-based action impact world is concerned given the world that we're living in today right that they can do this and they can survive and thrive and you know also have a great quality of life any sort of last parting words of advice you want to give to anybody the single biggest thing i teach my consulting client matthew is to have what i call a featured marketing channel and that can be many things that can be a youtube channel or a blog or a podcast or live show on facebook or instagram or whatever the thing I love about podcasting is, as I mentioned earlier, when you have a cause that you're looking to grow and bring awareness to, you have time. 
in a way that you know most people aren't going to sit down and watch a long YouTube video, or nowadays like a 500-word blog post is what's typical. You just can't go very deep. And the thing about podcasting is spend the time and learn how to be a good interviewer, or if you're going to do a podcast that's you're doing solo shows. If you get good with podcasting, the audience, like I said more intelligent, more interested in nuanced, deep, innovative answers. And if you have a brand that's, you know, the the kind of issues that we're facing today, they're not simple issues. They're complicated, nuanced, and layered issues. And the thing about podcasting is people who listen to podcasts kind of expect that. I just think that's such a natural fit for these kind of brands. I'd highly encourage people to think about it and to get some help from somebody like Matthew or myself if you want to understand how your particular situation can really thrive in a podcasting environment. To be completely honest, we did not pay Paul to say that. <laughs> but yes, we can help you whether you are for-profit, non-profit, or anything in between. If you're in the space of wanting to change the world and do so in an entrepreneurial way and need help. Sounds like Paul and Awarepreneurs is the place to go. So Paul Zelizer, he is the founder and chief entrepreneurial activist at Awarepreneurs. Again, that's awarepreneurs.com. We'll have a link in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us here on CallSpots today. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. Thanks for listening to this episode of CallSpots. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And remember, if you have a cause pod and want to join me for an interview, please check out causepods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the CausePod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on CausePods. Pods.